Hey, Courtney, how's it going? Great. Thanks for having me, Brian. Of course, man. Um, so excited to have uh, Courtney Ream here, good buddy of mine for you know, going on four years now. Um, for those of us, uh, for those of you just joining us, uh, Courtney is the co-founder and managing partner of M13, an LA-based brand development and VC firm that has invested in over 100 startups, including Lyft, Pinterest, ClassPass, Slack, and many more. Uh, Courtney was also an entrepreneur prior to M13. Uh, he built and sold an organic spirits company with his brother called Vive Spirits to Luxco, a leading producer and importer of alcohol and wine globally. Uh, he received his BA from Columbia and an MBA from Harvard Business School. Um, he was also a co-host on a TV show called Hatched uh, and wrote a book called Shortcut Your Startup, which I definitely recommend every founder taking a look at. Um, Courtney, thank you so much for being here, man. Really excited to dive in and, and spend some time uh, with you, given your experience on both the founder uh, and investor side. I, I think to start, um, it'd be great to just spend a little bit of time giving people a sense of what M13 is and, and the different types of things that you guys do. Sure. Um, again, great, great to be here. I know you've had some other great venture capitalists on, and so uh, great to be among them. We are kind of what I would call um, unplanned or accidental venture capitalists, meaning, as you said, um, we started our career like you at at Goldman Sachs, um, and after that became entrepreneurs uh, at a time not, you know, a little over 10 years ago, not that long ago, when none of our friends left Goldman Sachs to be entrepreneurs. <laughs> Everyone left to do uh, yep. private equity traditionally, stay at Goldman Sachs, or we were around for kind of the heyday of, of hedge funds. So, um, you know, I, I think we were slightly ahead of our time in terms of being entrepreneurs, and I think hopefully in what we're doing now gives us a lot more um, founder empathy having been entrepreneurs. But so we, you know, I, I worked uh, in, at Goldman and my brother did as well. I worked in consumer products. And so we've always kind of approached the world uh, from a consumer and, and tech point of view. And so it's been great with what we're doing now because with M13, you know, the world certainly doesn't need another uh, undifferentiated venture capital firm. And so we actually started M13 uh, as more of a future of consumer tech holding company or mm -hmm. as a, or a platform, if you will. And within that, we kind of have a three-legged stool as our model. We have a um, you know, traditional fund. We just uh, finished raising what's, what's a couple hundred million dollar consumer tech-focused fund. But we also have this other arm that we call Launchpad, which is a, a kind of a spin on a traditional brand studio. And uh, the third leg of our stool, which we call Propulsion, um, which is really what what differentiates us. And so Propulsion is really focused on both, um, I guess we'll call it kind of the productized knowledge of how you go to market with consumer tech brands, um, mm -hmm. the data and our learnings for, for how you do that. And then certainly kind of the human capital and having best in class talent to help um, propel both our uh, portfolio companies and then also yeah. the brands we start. And so then there's that. And then our, our launch pad, We've, we've done a mix of starting our own brands. We have a brand that we kind of started with some target people who are now ex-target people running the brand. Uh, we have a really unique joint venture with something, uh, uh, sorry, with someone like Procter & Gamble where we launched two brands with them last year and, and doing a bunch more this year. And then coming soon, we're doing what I'll call our um, FIR, our Founder in Residence Program, where we're going to be starting some new brands um, with talented entrepreneurs. It'll be a mix of ideas they bring, ideas we have or white spaces we like, and other kind of high profile people that have approached us about doing brands. Some people you would know, some celebrities um, could even be anchor investors of ours, like a Richard Branson or a Tony Robbins or people like that. So that's, that's a little bit about how we're different, you know, because when people yeah. say, oh, I believe in community and product as a platform, 
we do too. And most firms have hired a community manager or someone to manage product <laughs> for us. Two thirds of our, of our roughly 30 employees work in this propulsion arm, which is working cross-functionally with both our portfolio and our, our brands that we start. So we're hopefully a little bit of a, of a different animal. That's awesome. Um, love hearing that. I, I'd love to spend actually a little bit of time on the launchpad angle, right? So if, if you think about founders that may be listening to this that are really just starting to get something off the ground, they may only be, you know, three, four guys working in a garage, you know, what's your advice trying to work through a COVID-19 scenario where you don't have a ton of certainty around where your business may be in six months, but you certainly want to continue to work on things, iterate and, and continue to improve the product? You know, how, how would you think about advising someone that's building a business in, in these times? Yeah, I mean, I think I think with what we're trying to do at M13, we really try to have a founder first approach. And I think, um, you know, one of our, our big theses is that it's all about founding teams, right? I think in the world we live in now, you tend to know the names of really famous and infamous founders, whether it's the WeWorks or the Ubers of the world or, or whatever else. Um, and I think, you know, for us, it's, it's, uh, it's, that, it's that entrepreneurship is, is not a solo mission. It's a, it's a team mission and starting a company is very much a team mission. And so, yeah. I think what, what to me is, has been changing, but will really change coming out of COVID-19 is it'll separate, you know, obviously the, the great companies from the, the hobbyists, if you will, just like it'll se mm -hmm. separate the great venture capital firms from the hobbyists. I think someone tweeted the other day that there's been like 1,200 new firms in the last <laughs> however many years. And so clearly there's a lot of trustafarians and hobbyists there. And, and so I think, you know, it, it should separate different folks. But I also think it's going to be um, for even the good companies. If you were a solo founder, I'm not saying go out and find another founder at this point, if you're having success, but I would say think really hard about how to not isolate. And instead, um, you know, in any time of crisis, the first thing you can do is expand your ecosystem or expand your support system. So whether that's bringing on other founders, whether that's aqua hire and consolidating, I would say, think what you can do to have a mindset of, um, abundance rather than scarcity right now, especially yeah. in your business. That's, that's awesome. Um, let's just talk about some of the best practices of founders communicating with investors. So you've obviously sat on both sides of these tables, you know, for someone that might be a little bit further along than what we just described, call, call it a series A or series B investor. Um, you know, how are you communicating with your, with your investors right now? What are some of the things that you, that you maybe would and wouldn't be saying uh, as, as you start to give them updates on the business? Sure. And just for anyone that, that might be listening or will listen that doesn't know me or doesn't know M13, I'll just level set by saying, um, you know, for my brother and I, my brother Carter, who's my partner, um, you know, being an entrepreneur has made us better investors and being investors made us better entrepreneurs. We're not the only ones who feel that way, but not everyone kind of has that mindset. But we've, you know, we've been a part of a couple companies we founded and sold. We've also invested in 100 plus companies and together we've probably sat on you know two dozen boards or advisors but i say all that to say like i really consider myself an entrepreneur including what we're now building with m13 first um mm -hmm. but we we certainly have a venture capital um component to us and it's it's the core of what we do but my mindset i think always starts with being an entrepreneur and so i don't know i would i would say i think the biggest thing that i'm seeing um is probably just human dynamics 101 but it's that you you just have to be being transparent is always good being direct is always good in my book but you have to double and triple down on it right because right now we're living in a world where no one wants to deliver bad news but i would say this is not the time to 
you know, ghost your investor or be delivering bad yeah. news over text and all that. Mm-hmm. It's funny, you know, right now, however many meetings I normally have a day, we've moved to this world where we've over-indexed on Zoom. So like some people who I used to have conference calls with are not trying to have Zooms. And it's funny because I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That was a conference call then. It's a conference call now. <laughs> let's, let's not do Zoom. Not everything needs to be a Zoom. <laughs> Yet I would say like in those precious moments where you have, you know, material updates, like do it kind of as close as you can to face-to-face, eye-to-eye yeah. because people deserve that. I'll be honest. There's only one company it looks like we have that might go under. Um, as a result of kind of the world adjusting and COVID-19 stuff. And if you would have told me six months, six months ago, this is the one I would have been shocked, but the way the person has handled it, you know, it's, it says a lot. And so sometimes if there's a company that's looking for an out, we just gave them one, you know, every company that that is looking for looking for that exit sign, not a bad time, but um, you know, better know now than later, I would say that, but it, it says a lot about how people kind of handle it. So I would just say be, extra forthright, extra transparent, and extra communicative, because if you don't do that, that's that's really how your reputation changes, among other things. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great advice. Um, I know you've spent a ton of time in the consumer space. Obviously, we, we can stay away from particular names in your portfolio, but I'd love to hear if there's a particular industry or two that you think, you know, let's, let's do both sides that, you know, will do better or benefit from this as well as, you know, will really struggle and, and is probably getting, getting beat up pretty bad right now uh, within, within the consumer world. Sure. I think, um, you know, we, we do, again, we do all consumer tech stuff. So there's, there's brands in our portfolio that have like really, really thrived like a daily harvest where we've been involved early on. I mean, they're doing incredibly well. They're doing, more sales in a week now than they were doing a few months ago in a, in a month. And those are still already not small numbers. So I think those things um, are obvious or, um, you know, we're investors in capsule, which, um, you know, kind of handles all your prescriptions and um, both fulfilling them and then actually delivering them to your door. They're only in New York city right now, unfortunately, but as you can imagine, they've had an an incredible uptick. Um, So those are obvious ones, but I also think, you know, I saw a graph of, sometime early this week that like bread machines are up 650 <laughs> percent yeah. i live in la where it's pretty competitive so i'm trying to go easy on the carbs but like i would have been shocked if you told me <laughs> bread machines and and yeah. just basic you know consumables would be up that much um i guess you know as someone that's really into fitness and health and wellness i think um just continuing to look at wellness or self-care i think that's a great place to be right now I, I have seen stats, you know, where in my world, in my ecosystem, fitness is up way up. Like I'm, I'm in the middle of a five day semi mock fast myself, but I've heard, I've heard around, you know, the greater America, like, you know, people are more sedentary than ever, which is shocking to me because I would have thought, even if you live in some place where you're getting snow right now, like my mom in Northern Michigan, you need to get up and move around so you don't Do get something. cabin fever. Yeah. So I just yeah. think anything fitness and self-care related is a great place to be right now. Um, you know, conversely, there's, there's categories, obviously travel things, and you've seen things like the away luggage of the world that have lost a ton of their revenue in a really, really short time. So I, I still think things like travel bad place to be in the next 60 days. I still think actually a really good place to be, um, in the next six to 12 months, more specifically, um, I love experiential things. And I think if anything, if anything, this kind of has made us realize how much we're going to crave things that are experiential. You know, my girlfriend will tell you, I spend 
a ton of my time and money on experiences over things. And I think most people yeah. and most millennials inherently believe that and know that, but I think you'll start to see Gen, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z people do it more than they have, maybe even baby boomers, because you don't know what you got till it's gone as the yeah. Joni Mitchell song goes. And so just any spending on things that you do experiential wise, I think will be a great, great time to start a business um, in that space. That's great. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, where, where I think you have particular expertise, which is, um, you know, your experience building a, a business that had sort of supply chain elements to it. Um, you know, if you think about a consumer business, uh, someone selling jeans, someone selling uh, lip gloss, you know, they, they make sort of inventory uh, bets ahead of, you know, demand in many ways. And that, that demand is now all gone. And so to the extent that, you know, we get a month or two uh, further into this and, and we do start to get visibility into the world opening back up again, those people are going to have to make bets on where that demand comes from. I'm, I'm curious if you have any advice on how to think about inventory management and, uh, you know, demand aggregation and, and all the types of things that you have to do as a consumer business when you don't have a ton of visibility into what that may look like. Yeah. I mean, um, I am by no, by no means a supply chain expert, but I would, I would say, so my, my um, tips might be pretty rudimentary, but I would say, you know, it's the basics of like have backups or a secondary or a third supply chain, you know, option. But if you didn't have those, then that ship has sailed. Right. Yeah. And there's even like, depends what you want to call supply chain, but it's, it's, you know, it's a different world when you go to Amazon and they're saying something usually shipped to you in two days is not going to ship in two weeks yeah. just based on priorities. And that's not what you mean by supply chain. But to me, supply chain still counts, you know, last mile yep. logistics still count as supply chain. And so that affects it because everything until it gets in the consumer's hands is supply chain to me. And, you know, in a world of Amazon Prime and next day this and that and surprise and delight, if it's not a basic staple essential, it's going to be hard to surprise and delight you because you were expecting two days and now you're having two weeks. So yeah. I think you're going to have to find ways to bridge that with messaging, but not bombarding with creating community, but not feeling like I can't go anywhere without seeing this brand because it was just my lipstick and I have other things I have to worry about right now. And so that's kind of the trick. I think there's gonna be a lot of interesting opportunities. I had a great um, call today with a company who's doing more around, um, uh, you know, online, whatever you want to call it, uh, online commerce or conversational commerce and what I'll call like moving the, the home shopping network model online, but kind of mm -hmm. anyone can live stream it and be a front end to Shopify and they do the back end. Um, it's interesting because I just think there's gonna be a lot of opportunities to do stuff like that much faster because that's how you're going to give if i'm xyz celebrity and there's a product i'm selling i can't go through the traditional means right now so if i can tap into youtube or facebook live stream it sell it and have shopify um, do the back end and other people mm. fulfill it and do it yeah. do it quickly and efficiently those are the opportunities that i think are going to emerge that are really interesting that that you know, I'm kind of answering your supply chain question almost with a yeah. front end or top line um, way of doing it. But I think that's the best way to do it versus counting on your supply chain, because, you know, if you're counting on your supply chain from China right now, from everything I hear, it's a you pick them. Some are experiencing yeah. no disruption. Some are expecting a ton of disruption. If you're one of our companies like Rothy's, which does women's shoes from upcycled bottles and you own your factory in China and you're, you're vertically integrated, Great. If you're someone else and you're not getting answers, which is 90% of people, then it's hard to bank on that, you know, without knowing yeah. where you're going next. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, last one for you. This has been super fun. I really appreciate a lot of these insights, man. Um, I'm curious, just, you know, as you think about the evolution of brand, it, it's obviously extremely important to be in your consumer's ear at all times. And I, I think during a time like this, you know, they, they actually don't want to hear about the discounts. They kind of want to hear what you're doing for your employees and, and, and what you're doing to help, you know, your community as, as, as a company. And so I'm curious if you've seen any best practices from any of your portfolio companies or teams that you're talking to that have kind of inspired you through, through all this mess. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. You know, we, we, um, as you mentioned at the top, we wrote a um, best-selling kind of entrepreneur book called Shortcut Your Startup. We, we wrote it in 2016. So that almost seems a little, well, sorry, it came out in 2017. So that's a little dated right now. But we talked, one of our most controversial things we said was that, you know, brand, people used to want to know about a brand. Now they know want to know what the brand stands for. And that goes all the way yeah. down to like political views. And at the time, we actually even had a couple of people really get aggressive with us saying, no, I don't want to know what my brand's political views are. I just want the brand. And I think you're seeing right now that like, depends how you define political views, but like they want to know what your political views are, meaning like, what's your response to this? Like, are you in this yeah. camp or that camp? And so, um, you know, I think the best way to, the best way I've heard about it is like, don't talk about it, be about it. And, you know, we have yeah. brands that have, when, when you, when you own your factory, again, to go back to a brand like Rothy's, shoes and they're spending a third of their capacity manufacturing woven masks that used to go into their shoes for a really cool kind of woven mask Pretty cool. or yeah. you know like i was talking to danny harris the founder of aloe yoga and he now um he also owns a i think maybe even the biggest apparel factory in north america they're going to masks i mean that's that's the proof is in the pudding there right yeah. when people yeah. truly have an opportunity to put um you know humanity ahead of their profits and you're seeing a lot of companies do it those are the ones that there's no hiding it you know what people are doing and yeah. in the world we live in now this is our first pandemic with social media right so uh you know I, I think people are doing it for the right reasons but if someone is doing what i just described they're talking about on social media and everything else and that's a great thing you should do well by doing good and it's not about getting credit but you should broadcast that so if someone's not talking about it because it means it means they're not doing it and i don't begrudge them for that but it's easy to find out who's doing what in the world of maximum transparency yeah absolutely well said um courtney ream founder and uh and managing partner of m13 thank you so much for being here man this was awesome always a pleasure brian take care be safe thanks take care